Hey guys, and welcome to the penultimate episode of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast Season Alpha. And I've got a really, really good guest for you today. I'm not just saying that because it's my own podcast. This guest is everywhere at the moment, and he's great on the microphone. And of course, I'm speaking about Steve, the hungry guy. Um, he is doing some phenomenal work that isn't just um, recognized locally, nationally too. He's award-winning for it, in fact, so... Okay, I recorded this the day after I came out of hospital. Um, I, I'm i okay, you know, uh, there's a few underlying health issues that I'm working on that I was working on before I went to hospital, to be honest. But um, uh, yeah, I've did, I did this kind of it, almost half in my pajamas. The doctor signed me off for a couple of days. I felt guilty about not being in work, but at least I could sit and uh, speak to someone over a microphone. That was quite cool. But um, I want to talk about something that... Um, I kind of a trap I fell into that I think we all kind of do. Um, I went to A and E. I didn't want to go to A and E. The lady on one one one, she was like, "You need to go to A and E." So I did, and I was in A and E for fifteen hours, and I, I was, I was a bit discombobulated, a bit frustrated. Didn't really want to be there. A bit concerned about my health, of course, like we all are. And do you know what? I essentially went in with a really bad headache when there were people there that needed life-saving treatments. And um, I got a little bit frustrated and I wrote a thing on Facebook like, I can't believe the NHS are doing this or something, you know, something along those lines. And it, it made me realise that actually I was be, probably being a bit too... Um, uh, a bit too obnoxious and a bit ignorant, really, because the, the the staff that are there working at the NHS are working with what they've been given. And um, in actual fact, once I got up to the ward and I started my treatments and stuff, those staff were lovely. Uh, the people in, in A&E are working on such a high-pressure um, environment with whatever they've been given that they, they have to re react the way they do because of what they've got. Um, so I apologise if I if you know me personally and you saw that Facebook page uh, post, should I say? And I looked, um, I looked, it looked a bit ego. I think I was just a bit frustrated. Um, I did, I think, apologise afterwards. But it's easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? When you when you're feeling a little bit frustrated and a little bit vulnerable, um, and you want to have a bit of a moan, social media is just there. Facebook is just there. And I do like to have an event now and again. I don't put too much personal stuff on there, like really personal stuff. But, you know, I like to tell people what's going on in my life because, you know, uh, sometimes we have shared experiences, you know, that we can relate to and converse about. It's quite cool. Uh, but thank you to everybody who looked after me. Uh, not that anybody's probably going to listen to uh, listen to this podcast. I, I wasn't going in there going, I am the biscuit guy. I was going in there like, ah, uh, got a problem, you know. Um, but uh, they were wonderful. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to move on to this episode. I'll catch you guys at the end after this interview with Steve. Uh, just to let you know what's going on um, after we have a break. Um, but yeah, this is a great episode. You're going to enjoy it. This is Steve, the Hungry Guy. Enjoy. Hi guys, uh, welcome to the penultimate episode of this season of the Shrewsbury Biscuit. And today I'm bringing you a guest that I'm so glad we're finally doing this because it's been taking, this has taken us since probably food, food shop, Shrewsbury Food Festival in the summer to put together. But us being, having busy families and busy lives and stuff, 
Uh, we're getting this together. I mean, I'm today. I'm speaking to Steve, the hungry guy. Steve, the hungry. Steve, the hungry guy. Steve, guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where 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 do you hail from originally, Steve? Are you are you Shrewsbury born and bred? Where where do you come from? No, um, so I'm I'm from Worcester originally. <clears throat> and oh, so right. um so I spent uh what 18, 18 years or so, maybe a bit longer than that, um, living an hour and twenty minutes down the road and never came to Shrewsbury. It's always seen yeah. you go you go go down to Worcester and Shropshire's seen as, you know, a six finger country and uh <laughs> really maybe a little bit maybe a little bit too similar to worcester i think you know why would you go up up there to that town when it's kind of got a similar vibe similar size similar thing going on oh, uh, rivalry. yeah 100 mm. hasn't by the way i have to say <laughs> shrewsbury blows out of the water by a mile um but then then yeah then i've lived all over the place so i lived down in bryson for a bit lived in london um i went to uni in york uh lived in birmingham for a bit then moved back to worcester for a bit when i was sort of just trying to find something you know that settled me um, and then I met my now wife uh, on Tinder, and uh, and ended up on in Tinder. Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah, old school. <laughs> Everyone's on about I'm... this hinge these days. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I've been married to my wife nearly ten years. We've been together thirteen, and ne- that was before the apps you even invented. I don't yeah. think I could get by these days on an app because like, it's no. it's so much of a throwaway society. It's kind of like nope nope <laughs> i know yeah imagine walking down the street and just pushing people to one side it's like no i'm not having you get away it's <laughs> <laughs> mad isn't it because even when you're with someone you're kind of like i'll just go back on the on the thing so it's really i'm glad that you made it work that's there's hope yeah out there yeah yeah it's kind of worked. and then yeah came up to shrewsbury for for our sort of first date and um and then never left fell in love with the place <laughs> almost straight away well, I think we've claimed you as one of our own now, Steve, because you're everywhere. I mean, I'm oh, seeing you yeah. on all kinds of things. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just got to get your face about, haven't you, really? <laughs> <laughs> I tried that, and then I'm now I'm on an audio-only podcast. So, uh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> no. um, but no, I, I think I, I think I met you very briefly at Oktoberfest. Um, I, I think I saw you guys. I think because uh, me and your missus, they followed each other on in Instagram. She came to say hello, but we'd had a few drinks. I was like, hello, bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, a bit more shy back then as well. <laughs> uh, Steve, the hungry guy. The Steve, the hungry, shy guy. Yeah, um, that's it. So, I mean, I love the idea that you've come from Worcester, though, and it's kind of like a similar sort of setup. Is it quite rural in Worcester, Worcester then? Is it kind of similar to Shropshire? Yeah, regard. yeah, it is. It's it's that semi-rural kind of feel to it. It's got a bit going on. It's not quite as as independent as Shrewsbury in terms of, you know, culture. There's a lot more independent shops and restaurants and bars and stuff like that in in um in Shrewsbury. Um uh, but then I don't know, you always get that little bit. If you grow up somewhere, there's always that little bit of angst around it, isn't there, sometimes that that I went back after what must have been maybe 15 years not living there and it's very exciting because there's new places have opened new people around and stuff but after about three or four months i realized it's the same people in the same places just with different signs on the doors you know and it never really changed that much i relate to that so much i mean i i on a smaller scale i mean i'm originally originally from telford born in shrewsbury hospital but i'm originally yeah. from telford grew up in wrexham um, so whenever I go back to like Telford or Wrexham, I'll, I'll I'll walk down the street and be somewhere I haven't seen been since I was like five or six or something, and it'd be like Ugh! Yeah. like those weird nostalgia pangs you get. But then you realise it is just the same. 
That was a great interview, Jeff. Now, finally, where can I find your website? I, I don't have a website. What? I just never got around to making one. You know what? I can't take you seriously with an attitude like that. I am extremely disappointed in you. To not have a website is irresponsible, lazy, you lack ambition. I mean, where's the vision? Don't be like Jeff. Be responsible. Get out there and shine with a beautiful website by Web Orchard, where they will take care of all of your website needs. Go to theweborchard.com right now and get a beautiful website you deserve. You know what? Get out. And he said, and he swore them the same stuff that happens in the same place. Yeah, Man. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's sort sort of a bit of a time warp, a little bit. It hasn't really moved on much, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Shrew- Shrewsbury is just uh, beautiful. But both cities have got like that river going on straight through the middle of them, and mm. and kind of as a focus, and and just that nice kind of slightly chilled out, semi rural, but there's still stuff to do kind of vibe. It's nice. I guess what you can take from places like Worcester or Shropshire is the fact that. When it comes to semi-rural living, lots of farms and possibly a different outlook to food and 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 sort of the farm life and where food comes from compared to like the city where you can just grab anything on the go. I guess yeah, Do you find yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 what I love about Shropshire and Shrewsbury is the passion that goes into the food. People love it. They love to know where it's from. Um, they love to support the kind of local farms and local businesses. It's really tight in that in that aspect, um, and yeah. and people are proud of Shropshire produce, which is lovely. Yeah, and I love meeting people that are doing things with food, whether it be writing, whether it be making, producing. Um, you know, whether you speak to Adam Pennell or I, I did, I've just written it, written down on my pad. Do not mention Beth Heath because I feel like I'm going to give her a complex because I feel like I, sp- I speak about her on every single episode, but. <laughs> she's everywhere more than me mate so you know it's not surprising (laughs) i'm gonna feel like maybe people people think i've got a crush on her or something because i do mention it like every episode but (laughs) that being said the interview we spoke i spoke to her recently um you know i know beth you know beth she's a great advocate for local rural businesses and i think it's so important especially with the kids knowing where food came from oh 100 and and beth's been um a huge support of mine from when I first started, you know, it was only a couple of months into me being the hungry guy when, when I had a sort of um, an email from her asking if I could do a demo on the stage at the Shrewsbury food festival, which was such a massive opportunity. Um, and, and she is 100% taking a punt on, on someone that, you know, she didn't really know much about. Um, and so I'm hugely grateful for that. So, so I'll constantly be uh, in Beth's debt in that sense. Um, and, and yeah, it's just been lovely, lovely sort of to work on the festivals with and stuff. And like you say, just always have that little angle towards, um, where the food comes from and, and things like that. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw you at the kids festival and we had a really good chat at the kids festival as well. And it's a shame that we didn't have a, I don't know. Did I get you on a mic on you? I think I might have actually, I think I might. Have uh, I think I've got a feeling that I was with my clipboard just over the other side of the hall, trying to sign people up for the food hubs, um, taste not waste challenge. And you, um, You've got James on the mic, I think. Oh, yes. One point. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember I, you said you were going to come and record, and then I, I shot off over there seeing someone I hadn't yet. You were like, me. absolutely not. Uh, Out my face, yeah. biscuit guy. <laughs> yeah. This, this guy's not leaving until he's signed on the list. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one guy with food in his name, and it's not the biscuit guy. Thank you very much. Um, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, but no, uh, you, yeah, you interact with so many people at an event like that, though. It's, it's incredible. Um, but like, I love the philosophy you working with the food hub and teaching people about using what you've got to, to make nutritious meals. And I like that because I, I, I'll go to Mackey's, I'll grab something from the chippy rather than go and cook something, but we do cook as well. Um, yeah. but that's, I feel like if I learned what the philosophy you're teaching at a younger age, I feel like my mind would probably work a bit differently. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the really important thing is, is it, it you can't really blame yourself for not knowing something right no. to a certain extent, you know, you can go out there and you can learn it, you can find it, but if you're not really given the inspiration or the kind of tools to do that, it makes it almost impossible. Right. And and this is like my, one of my biggest bugbears with, with the education system in schools at the moment is food's been completely pushed to one side. It's kind of, I mean, I look at it through the eyes of, of a, of a kind of really important kind of life skill. If you know what I mean, you've got to be able to cook, you've got to be able to eat, right. It's, it's yeah. fairly important to, to living. I'd say it's one of the, one of the most important things. And yeah, it's kind of, you know, pushed to one side and then and then you get pushed through with the level of convenience that's available. And we're all busy, okay, which I get as well. And so I like to sort of say to people that, you know, yeah, everyone's busy, but there are ways you can cook quickly, but it's also about prioritizing that time. So, you know, everyone has their different hobbies and interests and loves, right? I don't have a huge amount of time to do anything with my car. I don't have an interesting car. So my car gets to put one side. It never gets cleaned. You know, it never sort of gets sorted. It's always just in a state, uh, but it gets me from A to B. It does the job, you know, mm. um, that's no interest to me, but cooking is. So I'm in the kitchen all the time. So part of it's trying to, trying to see if you can just inspire people by getting them over the first hurdle, make it a bit more accessible, make it a bit more easier. One of the things is using stuff around you, you know, so you haven't got to go out and buy a huge list of ingredients. Um, and all of that comes with experience, you know, and you, you get experience by doing it. So it's just yeah. about trying to get people to start cooking. Once people start cooking, they start loving the ingredients they use a bit more. They'll start investing a bit more in that. And then before you know it, um, people are, are, are shopping in a much more sustainable way. I think sustainable is a very important word of the day, a word of the, the, the times, actually, at the moment, because things are getting more difficult, about to get even more difficult with the rent prices yeah. soon. Sustainable living is going to be one of the most important lessons we can teach ourselves as families. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's going to be the top of every list, I think, or should be anyway. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is it hard to, to teach someone that, though? Um, for, even from, like, I've, okay, so children, I guess, are easy because they're like sponges um yeah as difficult as it is to work with kids i imagine the most stubborn people that are adults are probably a bit more difficult would you know, yeah absolutely but but it's all about baby steps so kind of when you when you're when you're whenever you're dealing with anything to do with adults if you're trying to change habits it takes so long to change those habits you know mm. i'm terrible for it every single person's terrible for it and so you're going to fall off the wagon at some point. Of course you are, you know, yeah. and, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can't make changes sort of overnight. You know what I mean, very few people can go cold Turkey on anything and just start doing this now and they go with it and they stick with it. You know, it's not really a sustainable way to build a new habit. So it's about baby steps. It's about bringing in new habits slowly. And it's trying to, again, it's that big word inspiration. It's trying to inspire people to just do it a bit more often. You know, even if even if you start cooking twice a week instead of once a week, you know, that can very easily in in a year's time become three times a week. Um, so it's not an overnight change with the adults, 
It's more about kind of just trying to maybe change the mindset a little bit, get them to look at food a little bit differently. Um, and, and then if you can tie the kids in with that, anyone with families, um, spending time with the kids in the kitchen is a hugely rewarding thing. And if you can get the kids on your side and they can start whinging, you'll know that then soon yeah. things start to change. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the way you've put that and, you know, inspiration not everyone can inspire right not everyone's a leader not everyone's inspirational sorry guys if you think you're you know yeah i don't feel like you can learn you can learn how to inspire i think you can learn the tools and how to put them into practice but i feel like it's in you to be able to inspire um how how have you found that with with like the things that you go across how do you inspire people steve Well, I think, I think, I mean, I just go for an onslaught of enthusiasm. I kind of think that's the way <laughs> the way to go, you know, just really pound it into someone with total enthusiasm. But I think the key to any kind of inspiration is around giving the person you're trying to inspire um, an experience of a win. You know, that little dopamine hit, that bit of excitement, that little spark. If you can get any of that in, I, I taught a lesson today um, and it involved making Yorkshire puddings. And I was kind of explaining, like, when you get the success of a really well-cooked Yorkshire pudding that's, you know, filling the oven, and you get it out, and you put it in front of someone, everyone goes, wow, right? And that little tiny moment can really spark something inside you, you know? It can really, really give you that warmth that that makes you go, oh, that was cool. And then you sort of try it with something else, you know? Um, yeah. So if you can give someone that that little spark, that little bit of a, of a great experience... That's the little seed that can grow. Then, I remember um, during COVID, I was making uh, Adam Pennell's uh, strawberry cheesecake wings, the hot wings that he made. Oh yeah, yeah, the ones off the uh, telly. Yeah, yeah, because he used to do the cook along things on Instagram. And I remember, yeah. I'm, I'm, used, I'm, I'm okay in the kitchen. I can get by, but I'm not like what you and and the other guys out there can do. Um, and I, we did it. Like I think I recorded his video on someone else's phone. And Tom Bruno in in Vermont, my old co-host, well, how's it going, Tom? Um, he was doing his in America as well. So we were all filming it and all doing it together. It was nuts, right? And I made these wings. They were a bit of a mess because I didn't realize he had a dry hand and a, a wet hand when it came to like yeah. bread in the chicken, that sort of stuff. Those are the little things yeah. you learn with experience, right? So they were just a gloppy mess. And then I put them in there. But when they were done, they were they they were what he made. And I was like, oh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but weren't those That's times good. great though you know the the in terms of food for me the whole lockdown um the lockdown thing was great people were cooking people were investing their time in it people were you know i, I got inspired by that time thinking when this all blows over this is great because everyone's got back in the kitchen and then yeah. it kind of just slowly petered out and maybe a year afterwards everyone was kind of back to back to the usual you know they made um, some money on bread ovens and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was <making> yeah, bread. <laughs> yeah, fifteen thousand banana loaves a day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you manage to work on loads of different recipes? Do you, do you think that made you as as what you are today? That kind of COVID area, that era then. Well, no. So, so I worked through COVID. So I was a product development chef at the time and a product development oh, okay. manager. Um, so I was designing uh, sausage rolls, pies, and things like that for the supermarkets. Um, which was something I did for maybe about sort of six, seven years um, before coming to, to Shrewsbury. Um, and so uh, the one thing that I realized in that is the food industry, the food manufacturing industry does not stop. Nothing will bring it down. You know, global pandemic keeps going. 
And so I was working every day, uh, factory based, um, pretty much. And, and so I sort of feel like I missed a bit of lockdown because I didn't have yeah. the kind of full experience, but then I feel like I also had a really good one. Cause I basically, I went to work Monday to Friday. So I got out and I got to go somewhere else and I got to do something when I was at work, you had to sit in your pods with these screens up. So no one could talk to you. So it was great. You could just get on with your work. You know, there's no nonsense bothering you. Um, and then uh, I got to come home and then you couldn't have any visitors. You couldn't go out. The weekends were about family time. You know, it was about being around each other and stuff. It was great. So I feel like I had, I had that really positive lockdown experience without going stir crazy. Yeah. Um, but but I reckon maybe, yeah, two to three weeks of, of the full lockdown would have been enough for me i'd have got itchy after that that would have been it. yeah i worked all the way through lockdown too i worked with care leavers in a in a place where they didn't really care about the hygiene about social distancing or not partying yeah. and stuff i was kind of probably in one of the most dangerous places in shropshire yeah um as far as i never got covid but yeah i was going back and to from work and i'm not saying that covid was great and you know i wish i had some of that because i know some people really struggle but i agree oh yeah of course I never got to quarantine. I never got to, like, I'm a bit of an introvert when it comes to things like that. I mean, I've just, I'm, I'm meant to be poorly today because I just come back from out of hospital, which I, I talked, I'm going to talk about in the intro so that you probably heard all about that. Um, but uh, I just sat there playing Helldivers. I don't get to do that very often on the PlayStation or anything like that. Uh, yeah. I probably would have just delved into that a little bit. No, actually, I know exactly what I would have done. I'd have drive, driven myself crazy making podcast after podcast after podcast. That's kind of yeah. weird do when i got yeah. time if that fills yeah. your soul with happiness that's what you've got to do man yeah lots of businesses came out of that but i like this uh learning about product uh product design development design because i met yeah. a guy in turkey who designs like um the packaging and things for like sausage rolls and things for the co-op and i was like you, you think about jobs like, and you think actually that's a really important job you know things like that designing a sausage roll what does a sausage yeah. roll taste like what's the texture like what's that that's, a, that's yeah. a that's a fun thing it is it is but it's it's also what kind of um it was sort of the nail in the coffin really for me and that industry and in terms of a driver for for what i wanted to become with the hungry guy it all came out of that because you you sort of sold this idea that you're designing um food and as a chef that's incredible you get to create things you're sort of sold a dream that you have a lot of creative freedom, which which is kind of a bit of nonsense because you're driven by what the supermarkets will buy off you, um, which nine times out of ten will be nine months of of pure work trying to get something really innovative and new on the shelves. And then they ask for, well, where's the data for it before we sell it? Then we haven't got any data because it's not been released yet. You know, no one's done it. And so then they go, oh, we'll just stick with the tikka masala we always have on the shelf, you know, that sort of thing, um, because it sells. And yeah. so, and so, there's a lot of rework involved, which involves the retailers coming back and saying, "Well, actually, we love that product; it was great, but we need to make more money on it, so we need to make it cheaper. So you need to cut ingredients out of it, or or salt targets. Every four years, they reduce the 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 salt, you know, maximum amount of salt you can have in products. So you'd have to rework, but they have to have the same flavour. So you end up doing a lot more rework than you do kind of new design." Um, but but when you're working in those factories, you know, you're, you're working in an environment where, uh, you know, food is just being thrown away, perfectly edible food, because mm. the lines on the top of the sausage roll aren't in the straight, quite in a straight enough line. The, the sausage roll is marginally too wonky wow. and therefore the customers won't buy it. Um, and, and so 
you know, it, it's hard because manufacturers will will say to you, but our waste percentages are really low, which they are. But you're talking about hundreds of tons of food. So while the percentage is low, the volume is enormous. And so a lot of people could still eat that, you know. And, yeah. and just before I left, I tried to design a, a product that was um, built around waste sausage rolls as a, as a sort of um, tear and share. What if we just stuck all these wonky little bite-sized sausage rolls in a tray and bake them off and they'd be a tear and share sort of party, you know, waste product. Marketing well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> supermarkets would love it. The whole wonky veg thing happened. Um, and, and it basically got, got killed by the sort of commercial teams. Um, because there was uh, a really gray area around if that product then sold well, would we then create waste to make a product? And it just got lost in this whole mess of pretty much utter nonsense. Um, and so that was kind of nail in the coffin, which made, which made me really start to, to notice more around the downsides of that industry. I can just um, imagine you getting stir crazy, like no, 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 no more, no more waste yeah. for anybody, <laughs> no yeah. more waste ever. <laughs> like, in my little COVID cubicle on my own, just losing my mind. <laughs> no more. <laughs> and then you <laughs> come out so Lancelot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. But it, but it is. It's it, it's it's a mad industry because it's so driven by. Um, it's so driven by demand that, you know, they can't risk having a product that might only be available now and then. If it was a waste product, they have to have the shelves full all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense because yeah. you've, got, you've got to run a business. And like, Well, that's you know, it. You know, granted, who buys stuff off an empty shelf, right? You know, <laughs> the last jar of anything that's left, no one touches that. You've got to be a madman to pick that. What's wrong with it? Yeah, several <laughs> uh, dates fine on it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, COVID was a, a strange time as well because the shelves were empty at times. You know, there were times where deliveries couldn't be made, and you know, and it's mad to think that there was there were factories throwing away food possibly at a time like that. Like, yeah, and completely. Living as well now, I mean, it's probably still happening. I know you're not doing that job now, but yeah, that's uh, crazy to think. I mean, I, I don't talk about my job really, but like in my particular job, it would be quite handy to know uh places that they could supply food for people you know it's mad yeah Absolutely mad. yeah um yeah there's all there's i mean we could go on about it for days around the, the issues around the kind of surplus food that come out of those manufacturers yeah. um i mean one one prime example is is that um retailers actually find manufacturers for shorting deliveries so let's say um let's say that the supermarket orders 100 pallets all right. Yep. If you deliver 99 pallets, you get a huge fine off the supermarket for not fulfilling the order. <laughs> so it, it costs less for the manufacturer to make 10 extra pallets in case something goes wrong in production. So you'll make 110 pallets. Then nothing goes wrong. So you send your 100 pallets off and you've got 10 pallets of food left. Can't go anywhere. That's insane. So that, that, and that's where the food hub comes in. So what the food hub does is swoops into the manufacturers, picks up those, and then distributes that into the community, which is an unbelievable, you know, the, the numbers around what they do and they're one little pod of incredibly hardworking people is just, it's mind blowing. It's incredible. I've, we've done lots of work with the food hub in the past. I went and volunteered there for a day. We took cameras. It was fun. It was really good. Yeah. Um, but it was also um, really illuminating what they do and the amount of people they help. And I can't yeah. imagine a better marriage than you with this new philosophy of, we must help people learn and educate people about not wasting food and, you know, and then them having that facility available to, to kind of, cause you kind of, yeah. you work a lot with them, don't you? 
yeah it's 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 really great like we've we've sort of really hit this slipstream together and we're just so similarly thinking on so many things um and and it's just such a natural and kind of organic relationship um but it's kind of funny i i look at sort of my over the last three it'll be three years in april since i've been the hungry guy and i look at kind of the path i took and, I, and now i'm just getting into what i wanted to do when i started the kind of community work and and that sort of side of it and trying to help people just get more involved with food um but kind of that this whole relationship with the food hub which has been the entire driver for that so i wouldn't be doing any of this community work without those guys or or it certainly wouldn't be as far progressed as it is um and it all came down to one conversation with someone who was uh, covering a shift, uh, a pop-up I did in Shrewsbury. So um, so I was doing a pop-up at the Shrewsbury Coffee House and Liv, who normally would work there with me, um, who owns it, she she wasn't there. So she got um, Grania, one of the guys who worked there, to work with them. And I was chatting away to her because we weren't particularly busy that night. And, uh, and next thing I know, you know, I get an email from Ali from the Food Hub, who happens to know and work with Grania who said, you know, you need to talk to this guy because he wants to do everything that you want to do. And then, you know, we just, you know, minds met there and then it took off. Huge um, shout out to Ali, by the way. Ali, you, you're great. She's so consistently amazing. I don't know how she does it, honestly. I do love it because when I'm getting a bit overwhelmed and a bit stressed with work, I'll just kind of have a chat with Ali and see what's on her plate and go, oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> She's so positive. Every time I see it, I, know. I see, I see I know. her outside the football ground a lot, you know, because she does little pop-ups at the football ground when we go yeah. watch football. Don't know how many ways I could have put that. There was something, but um, yeah, I saw her at the football ground. We went to watch football, um, and she's also hi, Alex. I was like, hey, was yeah, yeah, she's great, and so so um, so's Tammy, the manager yeah. there. Um, they're just fueled with the sort of energy that if you could bottle that up, you know, that's your fortune. If you could sell that to anyone, you know, everyone needs a little ounce of that in them. It's incredible. That's where that inspiration comes from again. You know, that's yeah. sometimes it's just some people's calling to be that kind of person. Um, let's talk a bit about the hungry guy as a business. What is the hungry guy as a business? What do you do? You know, tell the people. So, so I, and now I'm calling, I'm a food educator. And so I work with um, a lot of community uh, groups. I work with the, the food hub. Um, we're running a couple of projects at the moment, which is um, a couple of funny projects, which is incredible, really. Um, we're doing something called Supersonic, which is where we're taking the surplus food that they've collected from supermarkets, from um, farms, from restaurants, from wherever. Um, we're turning it into soup that is going to put in the freezer, and then that's getting distributed into the community. So pretty much anyone that needs a soup, um, corporate businesses can can buy it off them if they want um, for corporate oh, lunches, yeah. for things like that, um, for small donations. It goes into warm spaces. Uh, pretty much, you know, whoever wants to take some can kind of get in touch and, and get some if they need it, you know, uh, which which we're, we're averaging at the moment about sort of 250 portions of super session. We do one session every fortnight. Um, I think last, last year we managed 3,000 portions of soup from the surplus veg wow um which, which is quite incredible that sounds fantastic what kind of soup do you make do you have to like calculate it first or you just have to like look at no. what you got what, like how yeah do you do that? i'll get a message from ali the night before saying just to let you know i think we've got because they don't really know till the day of stuff comes in you know it changes every day um and and it's so it can go from very standard soups to things that are a little bit wacky um bags of lettuce lettuce and lime soup was one of one of the winners in my mind so they get a huge amount of these bags of washed lettuce come in that, that are on their use by date, so they have to go in the freezer. 
And so then you're cooking kind of frozen lettuce leaves into a soup, trying to turn it into something tasty and delicious. You know, that was one of the slightly more unusual ones. But we've, we've done pasta sauces. Uh, we've done bread puddings. Um, we've done sort of lasagnas and all sorts of tray bakes as well. Um, anything to use up those bits and bobs. Nice. That's yeah. really innovative because I, I remember Ready Steady Cook, man. I used to watch up with my nan. I miss my nan. She's great. But that was one of the things we used to do. And I always used to think, how did I... I don't know if they went in with an already written game plan or if they actually just looked at the products that they brought in on Ready Steady Cook and go, right, we're yeah. going to do this. Because I know yeah. people can do that. They, they can just like Well, that's it. But, but, and, and that's one of the biggest things I, I sort of, when, I, when I'm talking to people about trying to cook more is, is that's where one of people's hurdles or they don't really know what goes together. It's understanding what subs, what, you know, what substitutions you can make. And yeah. a big part of that's understanding what the food tastes like. So you sort of, you look at a tomato and it's not just because it's tomato-y, all right? It's a it's sweet and a bit sour. And, you know, you start to dissect the flavors a bit more and then you yeah. can think, well, hang on, that sweet and sour marries quite nicely with that sort of flavor over here. And you can combine things together, but that's all experience. Yeah. You know, I've been a chef for, for what, 15 years now and, and, yeah. and cooking most days of my life for 15 years. That's where you build that knowledge base. And I bet your experience of actually making like huge quantities of uh, sausage meat, for example, and then putting yeah. a little bit of this and a little bit of that on these huge containers, I bet that's been a huge education for you. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a completely different way of cooking. When I first started as a chef, I worked in a in a big contract catering kitchen in a in a private school down in Sussex, and uh, we were making sort of three thousand meals a day from scratch. So straight away, when oh. someone says like, oh, you need to add, you know, season the water, we're about to boil some potatoes with some mash, and you're chucking in, you know, we're talking two, three <laughs> kilos of salt into this vat, you soon realize how the scale when things go up, you know, a little pinch isn't going to touch it, you know, yeah. and things are by the scoop load rather than by the pinch. But yeah. the kind of principles are all the same. That's very really interesting. I love that. The, 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 because it is a completely different way of cooking. And as well, you know, uh, tasting things and, and and making those those calculations after you've yeah. done them it must be quite frustrating though when you get it wrong to cook on that scale. And you're like, oh, for Christ, we we just there's a whole vat there full of it and we got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get it wrong. There's always a way to fix it. Trust me, there's always yeah? a way to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to do something really special to make something completely inedible. Okay. There's been very much a few. I take on that. your challenge, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely been a few a few moments where I've had to kind of really work some charm to get things uh, over the line in terms of no, it's okay, it's all this, you know, and, and <laughs> try to persuade people it's all right. <laughs> yeah, they, they taste your food and they're like, no, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> it's never wrong. Yeah. I yeah. love that. But, but um, the thing is, it's it's making mistakes as well, um, you know, and that's the important part of trying to learn to cook is, you, you know, if you're learning a new skill and cooking is a skill, that's what people always, always kind of forget. You've got to practice it and you've got to make mistakes. But the important thing is to be present when you're doing it. So when you make a mistake, you learn from it. Yeah. So if you do cock up, you learn how to correct it or you learn what you should have done the first time. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. It's the simple things as well. I always say, right, I make the best cheese. Who did I say this to? I did say this to a world-class chef. I was like, I'm, I'm, I make the best cheese on toast in the world, right? 
my I was, I was, my wife's made it. She gets it wrong. I've seen other people yeah. make it. They get it wrong, and it all just comes down to the butter. You know, it's just the way you, uh, to make it. Um, and you know, I, I've tried that a few times and got it right, and I've got to or anything. But like, I've seen like Liam Tinsley made me a steak, um, uh, and it was the best freaking steak. And he cooked it. He chucked it. He did some amazing stuff. This meat is all fire coming off. I was like, none of that. It happens when I'm making steak, right? I just <laughs> chuck it in the thing. You know, it's technique yeah. and experience. You're right. Yeah, um, that's it. And and it, and it's being open to learning skills. So it's kind of watching how that was cooked and then being invested enough to want to know how to do that, if you know what I yeah. mean. But yeah. then you've got to set yourself that journey to go and do it, you know? And that that's that that's where you need that spark of inspiration. Because you 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 need to do something now, you know, and everyone needs that little nudge sometimes just to get up and get it done. How are you with the public speaking stuff with the the festivals? Do you enjoy that sort of stuff? Those yeah, things? I do. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't love a bit of attention? Do you know what I mean? It's nice to have a group of people that, especially have a group of people that listen to you and they can't really talk back. <laughs> it's got to listen right? to this. Because I know Carl Jones does a great job on the demo stages as yeah. well when you guys are up there. And you got, I yeah. mean, I've I've sat there and watched some amazing demos at the food festival. And at Ludlow as well. I went to Ludlow. They do a good job there too. Um, but it's it's always like all those eyes on you. That would leave me laser focused. And it's really weird. If it was one-to-one, um, yeah. and they were like, I don't know, maybe three or four people in a room, maybe I'd get a bit nervous. But a couple hundred, I'd probably be a bit more switched on and enjoy myself. Mad. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's all um so I I part of my chefing career, I used to teach cookery lessons um down in London. I used to work kind of with um I'll drop the name. Well, I used to work with Jamie Oliver and he used to run his kind of um cookery schools down in London. Wow. So that was ev- that was every day. It was sort of, you know, your 9 to 5 was being in front of people talking, cooking, trying to get a dish made while you're trying to inspire people, while you're trying to answer people's questions. So it was kind of, you know, I've I've had a fair amount of training at it in in one sense. You worked with Jamie Oliver. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, kind of you know it, it, something that sort of fell I fell into. If I'm honest with you, I sort of took a job in one of his stores down in Brighton while I didn't know where I was going to go between jobs, just cooking breakfast. So he worked up, started teaching kind of lessons there, and then um, and then got moved up to London to kind of run his sort of flagship store in Notting Hill. And that was kind of total chaos on a level I've never seen before. Um, but but you know you you leave from these experiences stronger and 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 better in certain times, don't you? You know when it's complete total chaos. Cooking um, in front of people though, as they're watching you, does that add pressure on you? Does it like oh my god, I'm going to mess this up? No, they I mean. I'm human, right? So there's always a certain level of nerves before you start anything. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer if you're not a little bit nervous and a little bit apprehensive before you do something, you're maybe not quite doing enough, if yeah. you know what I mean. I think there's, there's yeah. a bit of a, a driver in that in me in, sen- in one sense. Um, but once I get going, it's sort of – I think the really important thing to remember is that you're only cooking a bit of food. And so I, I don't really mind making a fool out of myself too much. I don't take myself too seriously, um, you know. I like to think I don't have too much of an ego in that sense, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of just, if you don't mind making a fool of yourself, you'll be all right. I was watching um I was watching the bear recently. Well, when did we watch the bear? Have you seen the bear yet on Disney plus? Mm. Phenomenal yeah. show, right? Um, 
I, I spoke to Rob Gibson about that as well. He's like, that's spot on. That show is absolutely spot yeah. on. Because, um, and like the, the camaraderie they have in, in if you, if you haven't watched it, go and watch the bear. These are kind of spoilers, but it wouldn't spoil the show. Um, the camaraderie they have in their, their family run restaurant is amazing. And then they go to these like Michelin star restaurants where it's like prim and proper. And you got to get the slices right. And it's all like pristine, clean and quiet. And, I don't think I could work in that environment. I think you've got to be a bit more human and a bit more natural. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, I think I, I think everybody gels with that a bit, little bit more. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think it's right to be that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the chaos, to be honest with you. I, I survive better in chaos than I do in, in too much organisation. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So are you still working on a lot of pop-ups then? Are you still doing lots of events? Yeah, that, it's sort right? of... Um, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions was to was to drive forward a few more pop ups in town, get my face around town a little bit more, and cook a bit more food in Shrewsbury. Um, but now these community projects have kicked off, which is sort of what I want my, my main focus to be. So I haven't yeah. quite got round to doing as many as I want. Um, and you know, I've got a few ideas in the pipeline, but the hardest thing is finding a venue um, because it's sort of you know, finding a venue that isn't serving their own food that is, is you know, matches reasonably well with your um, fin- financial side of things because it's got to work, otherwise it's a waste of, of time, you know. Um, but but I think for me, it's the next big, it's likely to be the next big trend in, in the food world because pubs are so, you know, footfall so erratic in the food industry at the moment that you don't know who's coming in when, where, and it's hard to know, you know, these businesses aren't going to survive with the rising costs. You know, we're going to see folding, you know, in the next 12 months, loads of food businesses will be folding. Um, It's a terrible time for the industry and it's just almost impossible to run a business, you know? So I can see already that a lot of pubs have started to not employ kitchens, but instead get people in to come and do pop-ups to do residencies, come and, work here for two weeks well you know it's all bells and all whistles whistles for you you know we shout all about it they get food trucks in the car parks now a lot of pubs are are heading that way so they don't have to have a kitchen in every night which means they have to sell a certain number of food they can do two or three nights a week in different pop-ups gets people coming back people are interested and that that can like sparks i know the the dolphin had the the, the the Mexican truck in the in the in the car, like car park that that and then that springs something new, and also it gives like uh, I mean I went to uh, to Rob Gibson's pop up at the new inn Hockergate, oh, yeah. phenomenal phenomenal like uh, and I, I was asking him about how do you make money from this like and he's like um, I know I know how much ingredients to bring in, I invite so many people and they 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 pay good money and I know how many people's gone there so it's kind of a, an exact science in a way that you yeah. know unless people cancel. Um, and it's well, like that, a good it. symbiotic relationship between the venue owners and the chefs. And that that's nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it works for both parties. And that's what the important thing to find is, you know, which is why I've done a few at, at sort of Shrewsbury Coffee House. I've done a few at Glue Glue now. Um, both amazing and, businesses, by the way. I love yeah, them. both shining examples that want to work with people. So, yeah. you know, they're not there to try and try and rip you off. They just want their place full. You know, they're happy with the, the booze money. They're happy with just having people in the door and to promote other businesses, you know, and, and that's in why it's so important. 
I haven't had Robin on the show in a while. He's been on the biscuit twice. Once I was really nervous walking around with a, a handheld microphone. I was like, would you like to speak to me on the biscuit? And a lot of people were like, I'm busy, I'm busy doing stuff. He was like, oh, come on. I want to talk to you about coffee. And and, and he was when he was on Iron Rose. He was like, I'll talk yeah. to you about coffee and, and wine. No problem. Yeah. Really good chat. And then the other time was the opening of um, Petty, is Petty Glue upstairs, right? Petty Glue, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing guy. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, knowledge yeah. I mean, on that guy, you know. If you can tie him down anyway, do you know what I mean? He's like, oh, this week he's off to a vineyard in France, and then he's off to Italy and Spain and all. Driving the van around. (laughs) And that's a good testament to Shropshire in the fact that we've got you've got you as a as a food creator you've got everything on your de- your doorstep whether it's like cooking utilities things that are made locally like wisdom and wisdom or you know something that makes stuff all the produce you need right yeah it's um it, it's one of the things that means i can stay here you know since since i left london having enough of london i was done but london gives you a certain level of everything you want on your doorstep and so you have this kind of desire and need to have things, but they're not there, you know, and I tried a few yeah. different places. I couldn't settle. But when I got to Shrewsbury, it's exactly what it had was it had the small enough semi-rural town that I grew up in that I was sort of craved for my family and things. And so many independent businesses that wanted to work with each other and so many passionate producers that wanted, you know, they, they want you to have their product because they've lovingly made it. And whether it's like you say with Risden Risden Raprons, endless numbers of the food producers who just make incredible food absolutely sort of brilliant handmade stuff really artisan um and that's their life you know and shropshire's packed with it which is fantastic yeah i love it i do i really do and yeah. we're going to we're going to york at the uh, you mentioned york earlier we're going to york we're going to well we're going to leeds to yeah. see my brother-in-law um, but I, I've been banging about York for ages because we watched The Last Kingdom on Netflix, and I'm all about the Vikings and the and the, yeah, the Northmen and stuff. York Centre, so. <laughs> yeah, York. I, I can't wait. Honestly, I've been dying yeah. to go to York and see it just because I'm not expecting to walk into it and look like the set from The Last Kingdom, but <laughs> but maybe we'll learn quite a bit, you know, because uh, they had that, that, yeah. that shift. The the the, arch, the movie The Architect is based. Not the architect. What's it called? Um, archaeologist thing. Where the, the dig, yeah. the dig. Yeah, based on the on the boat that they found. Oh, incredible. Yeah. I love that. Sort oh of man, stuff. You're, you're, yeah, you'll have a great time. It's such a it's such a gorgeous city. Such a lovely city, and and it's another one that you can walk around. You know, yeah. you can get everywhere, and there's loads of little nooks and crannies, and loads of little old streets and little old pubs and stuff. It's just beautiful. Mm. So uh, Shrewsbury, you've got something coming. Uh, you got, maybe got a uh, <laughs> arrival out there of York. Um, so what? Uh, I, might, I saw this uh, the slow co- slow food English person of the year. What does that mean? Slow food. So so slow food. Um, I sort of say to Evan that slow food is probably the biggest organisation no one's really heard of. So it's a global um, a global food network, a global food organisation that is all around promoting good, clean and fair food for everyone. So what that sort of means is, you know, it's good in terms of it's it's nutritious, it's good for the environment, it's good for you, it's good value for money. It's all of those kind of things. Same with it being kind of clean in terms of it being good for the environment and fair, which is a really important one, is that it's a fair price for everyone. So whether it's the farm worker um, right up to um, the people using the food at, at sort of my end and my end and pe- people, the you know, retailers and stuff like that, that. Everyone's getting a fair cut for for how that food's produced and the way it's produced. Um, and it's also a big a big advocate for you know trying to keep traditions and trying to keep a food culture alive. 
Um, yeah. It started in Italy in the 80s when they opened a McDonald's in Turin and the locals kicked off. So they started holding protests sort of outside this McDonald's with all their local produce. And that kind of grew into this global organization. It's something mad. It's like 160 countries in it. And then within, wow. you know, we've got Slow Food UK. Within that Slow Food, let alone the marches, we've just um, become the biggest group for business supporters in the UK, bigger than London, um, in terms of business members and business wow. supporters, which is, it just shines a light on the fact it's, that's the attitude of our producers, you know, and that's how many great producers we've got. That, that, that they're all on board with that kind of ethos, you know, do it properly, sell it for a fair price, and everyone wins. That's incredible. I'm so glad yeah. that, that existed, and I feel a bit ignorant not knowing what this is because it stands for quite an important thing. And you, yeah, want... I'm, I'm... sorry, carry on. I was just going to blow a lot of light up your ass right now. You won the England <laughs> person of the year. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming at all. I mean, even when I got the email saying I'd won it, I didn't realise. <laughs> I, sort of, I was five o'clock in the morning and I was watching um, Peppa Pig or something with the girls, you know, and, and uh, do, I got, yes. this, got this email on my phone and I knew it was every year they have these awards and um, it's all voted for by, by the public and by members and by the public. Um, and it's, you know, it's best deli, it's best butcher, it's best farm, it's best market garden, whatever it is, there's loads of them. Um, and I saw this email and it was from Shane, the head of Slow Food UK. I've had a few conversations with. And it, I just thought, oh, it's just a list of winners. Said, I'll wait till 10 o'clock when it comes out and I'll find out on social media. So I put it to one side. And then I was sat mulling it over with my coffee and I thought, that didn't seem like the normal email. So I opened it again. I read it and it was sort of him telling me ahead of the announcement that he'd chosen me to be person of the year. Wow. And so I kind of put my phone down again and went like, Oh, okay, that's a bit weird. And then it still didn't sink in because it was so far off my radar as a thing to exist. Um, and then when it did finally sort of sink in, I, I looked at sort of who won it last year because it was so far out the radar, I didn't really even understand it was an award. Um, and then I found out that sort of Dan Saladino off Radio 4 had won it last year um, for kind of, you know, the work he'd done with Slow Food and the books he'd written and stuff like that. And he's kind of going around the country preaching about the fact we're eating ourselves into extinction. And that that was really when it sort of it sort of hit me as to the the size of it, if I'm honest with you. Um and congratulations. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it and it still kind of blows my mind a little bit when I think about it. <laughs> so I mean that that means like the influence that you've made isn't just Shropshire or Shrewsbury, it's across the country that you're doing, like this this um philosophy on and making sure that food is is appreciated and yeah. enjoyed. Fantastic. Yeah, so I ran I ran a project last June and, and I think this was a big driver in it was um Slow Food ran a a a, a national project called um Time for Lunch. So it's about trying to get people away from their desks, get them some fresh air, maybe get them to move away from a meal deal and eat something a little bit more healthy, a little bit more, you know, sustainably made and things like that. And so at the time I was working with a food hub. So I just ran with this idea that if I just got the food hub ingredients and just made stuff out of that and then found somewhere in the middle of Shrewsbury that would let me give the food out, um, then, you know, we'd have a sort of, you know, I, I call it the free lunch club. So we'll just pop up somewhere and end up in St. Mary's Church in the middle of Shrewsbury. And so I just opened the doors every Thursday, 12 till 2, um, come and get a free lunch and sort of put on these big fresh salads that I made and, you know, um and and we ended up doing doing i'm sure it's about 280 meals in in four weeks three weeks four weeks 
it was Incredible. sort of selling out in an hour, 80 meals in an hour, um, queues sort of heading up back through the church, which kind of shows, I think, the demand for that sort of thing at the moment. And it really kind of shows how many people are feeling the pinch to a certain degree, you know, and, and the current state of affairs with cost of living and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, all that food would have gone in the bin. So it's really important to get it back out there. Well, this has been developing for a long time. I remember seeing the first sort of, um, I forgot what they're called, the, the, the coffee shops where you can pay for a, a coffee and put up on a post-it board, you know, so you can share in the community and um, like share a pay cafe. it forward thing. Pay it forward cafes, um, that sort of yeah. thing. There are a lot yeah. of people doing that now, and that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. It's so it's so good, and that's the important thing as well, is, is when you get out there into this kind of community work, you would not believe the number of people that are doing an incredible job, you know, day in, day out. Um, the food hub's just kind of one example of, of even in Shropshire, the, the network of kind of community work that's going on is incredible. Yeah. Um, I think as you get older as well, you realize how important, because we're always told like, you know, food is like the, the hub of community, you know, it's like, it's, it's, that's what brings society is a meal coming together. That's what we do. But as you get older, you kind of see it a little bit more like things like Christmas and Easter and things like that. It's not about the Easter eggs or the Christmas presents. It's about the meal and people come together and sharing the stories, the family traditions, you know, one of our traditions we like to do, um, with my wife's family it's a weird one but when you put the spoon in the trifle and you, you got to try and get the yeah try and do it every year and for the last three years we didn't get the but this I year love that. we got our yeah. big <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll be a good year next year <laughs> oh, it's got to take us three years to get another <laughs> yeah yeah i love it oh um, man that's great uh but um yeah, so I mean, what what are you working? So you're saying you're working on some community projects. Yeah, is there anything that you want to tell the listeners about that you're doing? Maybe you want to help off people. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, we're always looking for volunteers to come at the supersonic sessions, which I mentioned earlier. Because what we do is we get volunteers in to basically chop and prep all the veg while okay. I'm running around cooking kind of four or five pans of um, four or five pans of soup uh, at any one time, um, and then we have an afternoon session where people come and help us pack it all, tidy up, kind of get set for the next week we might prep a bit more veg put it in the freezer i mean if okay. anyone wanted to come and volunteer at those they've just got to drop me a message um on my facebook or instagram and i can get them onto the um we've got like a whatsapp group and once you're on that just next events listed you can say if you're interested or not you know if you want to come um that, that's and that cool thing yeah and then and Maybe then I can come along i can come along and do some cutting for you steve yeah come and come and do it. I, what i normally what i normally do is we try to do a bit of a knife skills lesson at the start mostly for my own if you're going to handle a knife we've got no yeah you just just kind of hold it up and show them there's a sharp end and a non-sharp end you know which one are you going to hold <laughs> what's that movie where um, it's like sticking with the pointy end like <laughs> yeah that's it yeah you'd be surprised at what you see <laughs> um, <laughs> i imagine yeah but yeah so there's, so there's something where i get to kind of show you a little bit around chopping and and what to do and how to chop veg a little bit more efficiently so you'll get something out of it as well you know which is important are you doing any of the food festivals in the summer? Can people expect to see you anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Um, Beth's already earmarked me for um, Shrewsbury Food Festival. Good, um, nice. Pro probably I'll have to get the old Shrewsbury Food Festival octopus out and be in about 15 places at the same time, you know, get all the, get all the <laughs> arms going. But we'll make I it remember work. I remember seeing you. I think you were with Liam Tinsley, actually, when I saw you uh, this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, 
I'll be back in 15 minutes to grab an interview with you. Number one, I didn't come back in 15 minutes. It was more like 45 because I got dragged off here and there and everywhere. And number two, I couldn't find you again that day because you were so yeah. busy. You guys had sweat point because you were trying to cook. It was quite warm. Like, there's yeah. lots of things going on. Credit yeah, we get though. the fire pit out. We get the fire pit out and uh, and we cook, cook for a few of the corporate dudes there and things. Um, and I was with the Food Hub stage last year as well. So I was up there doing kind of some bits. So... So, yeah, but it's always a great weekend, isn't it? You know, it's another weekend of chaos. That's what we want in our lives, isn't it? Love it. I can't wait. I said that a few times. I said, yeah, I did say that. One. Oh, sorry. I was, no, I was going to say, I said to Beth, well, I want to find a way to do uh, the food festival different this year. Like, I, I always go around and I always get loads of interviews. We always marry them yeah. up. We all sound really great. But I want to do something that sounds and feels a bit different. So I'm trying to think what we can do. Maybe I, I stick with a chef that has got, you know what I mean? Like, follow a chef during their yeah, yeah. journey throughout follow a the day, day. day a day in their yeah. life yeah 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 that, sort of thing. that, yeah, that sounds good man that sounds sounds like a nice idea you know it's a bit of freshness uh, maybe we can do it with you i'll give you some uh you know some good some good pr just follow steve yeah. around for the f- yeah. i'll probably annoy yeah. you be like uh you know you've been messing up and i'll be you see this mic coming in shot <laughs> how does that feel steve that's all right. Just put it out after the watershed and we won't worry about the language. <laughs> but I'm going to play a quick game with you now. We played every single episode this season. Oh, it's great okay. fun. I'm going to throw, throw you off your balance now, Wave. All right. Perfect. Well, it's random, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> it's time for the random minute. It's... Uh, I have a we found a, I found a website called teambuilding.com and they have a random question generator. Oh, um, so I'm, okay. I've got a stopwatch here as well. <laughs> they are right. so random as well, these questions. Some of them are just ridiculous. Can I, but, can I just mull over the first answer for a minute and then it's done, yeah? <laughs> I, what I'll do is I'll read the question and as soon as you start talking your first answer, then I'll press the stopwatch because you've got a minute right. to do it, okay? Okay. Right, so the first question is, what has been the greatest accomplishment of your career? Oh Christ Almighty! Of my career, um, Ooh, that's a big one. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? Um, I think starting the community kitchen project, which I've just started now. Wonderful. Um, what is the best hotel you've ever stayed at? Uh, so I stayed in a hotel in the middle of a forest in Germany. I can't remember the name of it because it was German, but they had a two mission star restaurant inside it that was just absolutely incredible. And I've never stayed in a room like it in my life. It was mind blowing. Wonderful. Uh, what kind of art would you hang in your office? Uh, anything to do with food. Cool. Uh, do you support any charities? Uh, the Shrewsbury food hub. Yes. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? depends on the level of make the bed yeah it's made but it's you know not necessarily to military standards (laughs) do you like working from your house or prefer to go to a coffee shops or co-working spaces like when you type in do you prefer to work at home Uh, coffee coffee? shop coffee shop yeah Uh, do you have a favorite sports team uh not i do i do follow sport but i don't follow any particular teams Oh, that's good. Anyway, that was uh, yeah. that was uh, the minute off. How was that? Wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. No, Wait, random minute, yeah? It's a random minute. Thank you for that. I know it's a silly little game, but I thought I'll incorporate a bit of fun into my podcast. It's great. Um, yeah, you did it. all right there. You did all right. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
this has been really good. Well, we need to do this more often. I, I have this. I, so I wrote to um, Hyundai because I want to get one of the. I want to borrow a hydrogen power car and go from one end of the country to the other. And I was. I wrote to him thinking, you know, little podcast guy yeah. from Shoes. They're going to say no. They're mulling on the idea. They're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll get back to you. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I what, could what's, borrow. What's a hydrogen car? It just runs off the, hydrogen. It runs off hydrogen. Um, it's meant to be a lot cheaper and a lot easier to replace than electric vehicles. So wow, didn't even um, know that existed. Incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, it sounds me. it sounds to me like there's some sort of risk of explosion, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're 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 already about in the UK, very rare at the moment, but they're slowly bringing them into production. They're meant to replace electric vehicles. They're meant to be really cool. Um, oh, okay. So I'd love to go from one end of the country. To upper to uh, to Jonah Groats and just meet people along the way and maybe yeah. like enjoy food. I think food's going to be a great part of that. So yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love. To, I always talk about. Um, I want to do this thing in the summer where we go to like love to stay to one of their barbecue areas. Yeah, take some cameras and invite like you and Rob Gibson, Adam Pennell, whoever yeah. wants to come with a great story, make some sexy food and get some like interviews. I think that'd be really good because I think it's important. Yeah, it yeah, we can all, food. all get in that cold water as well, can't we? Yeah, yeah, that'd Dive be great. in that pool. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do an interview while I'm waist high <laughs> in that cold water. That'd be funny. Um, right, Steve, we'll end up, end up with uh, you telling people where they can sort of help you and support you. Um, yeah, great. You. I mean, I mean, um, sort of if you want to follow anything I'm doing, it's, um, it all goes on social media as it all does these days. So mm-hmm. on Facebook, I'm at the Hungry Guy uh, Shropshire instagram underscore the hungry guy um and yeah if you guys ever want to anyone wants to get involved with any community projects that's going on just drop me a message you know we're always looking for volunteers and help in in all sorts of ways so um so yeah never be afraid just to just to drop a message and say hi yeah this has been fantastic and um we'll definitely do this again in the future um i'll, I'll definitely see you at the food fest if you do if you're open to the idea of following me you around with a microphone just for the whole day just sticking with you yeah like, probably, as long as you're you're yeah as long as you're ready it's fine <laughs> i'll have to find a, a dump but it won't be live anyway but a, a, a good yeah. uh um a oh, funny, that's all right instead of a center beep like a beep we'll find like a duck quack or something yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no that'd be nice i'd like people to i'd like i, I would actually love people to see that the chaos of a, a random day with a chef because it's never the same <laughs> no i bet it's not um but anyway, don't go anyway just yet because uh, we'll end the show, but you'll still be backstage. But um, thank you so much for joining me on The Biscuit today. It's been really nice chatting to you. Thanks for having um, me, man. Absolutely my pleasure. I loved it. It's been really good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Steve, the hungry guy. There we go. What a great guy Steve is. I've been pursuing this interview for for quite a while now, since probably last food festival, actually. Um, I think I mentioned that at the beginning because uh, I knew he'd be a fantastic guest because of what he does and what he stands for. And I, I got it right. <laughs> I think that was great. Thank you, Steve, uh, for, for chatting to me. Um, I think you're, you're doing a great job. And um, we're going to talk about Food Fest this year and to see if I can do like a day in a life of with you, not to get in the way of your duties that you paid to be there for um we'll work our way around it we'll we'll discuss it okay so this is the second to last episode of season alpha we've got one more coming up which i'm just working on the uh the logistics for at the moment um and 
I just want to say thank you to to everybody that's been sort of uh, tuning in. I know it was we were at a break for a while. Uh, while I sorted my head out, came back with this new new format, this new structure. I know the the, the interviews kind of sound the same, but like the way I've recorded things and put things together has been a little bit different. Um, and when you're used to a routine, it's uh, it's for it's, it's you know, it feels a bit unfamiliar. Um, but yeah, uh, so what I'm going to do at the end of episode ten is I'm going to take a month out just to just to recalibrate and um, look at season Bravo. Uh, look at what guests I want to bring in. If you want to feature on the Shrewsbury Biscuit, uh, just remember that we only have 10 episodes a season, so you need to get in there quite quickly. Give me a message and we'll organise something. Uh, I also like to come out and do things for social media as well. If you don't, if you if you want to sort of feature on the social media side of things, I can turn up and put a reel together. Um, I can do that too. Um, I want to say uh, an apology to the guys at the Terrace Bar, actually, in, in Shrewsbury. <laughs> I was supposed to go there to do a cocktail competition cover that um but i i went to hospital like i mentioned at the beginning that was the day uh, i was meant to do that i ended up in hospital so apologies <laughs> that can't really be helped but usually i'm quite reliable so if you want me at an event just give me a shout and i'll come along and uh, do some social media stuff um so yeah um we've got one more episode left and i'll say a proper goodbye from this season but for now thank you for so much for tuning in to steve the hungry guys episode uh, make sure you follow us on social media we're on facebook instagram tiktok I don't really do Twitter. Um, I'm on there, but I don't really do much on there. But they're the best ones for, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Um, they'll be on TikTok too. Right, I'll catch you guys next time uh, for episode 10. And uh, I want you all to have a, a good week. All right, peace out. <laughs>